0: Good morning. I wonder if we could just... Morning to everyone. Morning. How are you all? Morning to everyone online. Could we just close our eyes for a second? Just the presence of the Lord. We just don't want to move on too fast. And I know you guys have sat down and all the rest, but I wonder if we could just speak to the Lord in your heart for a moment. Father, we thank you that we can worship you the way we, we can and the way we do. And Lord, may you always be the center. I just feel like the Lord is still just, just ministering to some hearts. Can we just
1: give the Holy Spirit, let's just take a step back. Holy Spirit, we honor you. We honor you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God you are good, you are good, you are good, thank you Lord, don't worry about the silence just turn your eyes upon him for a moment, thank you Lord We love you, Lord. Amen.
0: Sometimes I just wonder if I miss when to to end the worship. And I just always want to be respectful to the Lord and to the Holy Spirit, right? It's His church belongs to Jesus, not to man. And uh, I pray that we come to believe that more and more. So good morning, how are you all? Good morning. I uh always a privilege to be up here and uh with you and I I just you know, I I do long for the day where church is or when I say when the Ecclesia gather, just many just the avenues of God using many, many people. And um so if you've if you've just had that longing in your heart, church should never really be just about the display of one or two people's gifts, yet the Word obviously needs to come, of course, to preaching of the Word. It's just something in my heart about just the body of Christ and the state of the body of Christ. It's something that I probably weep about more than other things, just where the, where the body of Christ is at. So I wonder if we could maybe, sorry, I know you just sat down, but if maybe we could stand one more time and... Um, and could we begin to pray just for the church global just for the church the churches in this region the church in many different parts of the world and um just it's 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 the affection of the heart of jesus christ he's focused on his betrothed yeah and we focus on a lot of things but he's focused on his church and so i wonder if we could pray for church and then just for the body of christ but while we're doing that, if you've been hurt by the body of Christ, which is very likely if you've been in the church for more than 20 minutes, that, that someone, is, someone has hurt you, you know, it's just an opportunity to let that go because that is the scheme of the enemy. So can we just lift up the body of Christ uh, and just pray for them? And please don't just listen to me pray. You pray as well. Father, I thank you that you sent your Son You pay a price to win a bride, and then you paid the price to transform us into your image. And so, Lord, we lift up your bride this morning across the world in all different colors and languages and, and types and forms. Jesus, your bride, is the focus and affection of your heart. And we pray may she long for you again. May she love you again. May she return to you again. May she learn from you again. May she come to you again. Lord, snatch the affection of your people. Once again, Lord, across this nation and other nations, let your presence come back to your people in all forms and all measures. Let a hunger rise within the bride of Christ for her husband, for the head of the church is Jesus, not a man, it's Jesus
1: Christ. Lord, we lift up your bride. We lift her up, Lord.
0: And we say, may she be blessed, may she recognize the authority she has in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you for working with me. It's just something the Lord is putting on my heart. Um, you all well? Good morning. Again, it's a personal greeting to the visitors, just from me. It's wonderful to have you with us. For those that are with us, my name is Clayton. My wonderful wife, Jen, she was leading the worship, and uh, just... We are privileged to have you with us, so welcome. And uh, we've been in a series um, on Kingdom Warfare. I'm trying to find where I actually want to read, so there we go. We've been in a series on Kingdom Warfare, and I know I keep saying don't be overly focused on warfare, and I'll tell you why, but first of all, what's happening here on Saturday night at 6.30? Encounter night. Encounter night, see, if you tell me, then you'll remember. Wonderful. We were not created to fight the devil. We have to understand that. We were not created to fight the devil. Nevertheless, we have an enemy. Uh, We were made to worship God, to reveal God, and to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Yet, we have an enemy. So, this series has not necessarily been so much about warfare as some people have understood warfare before. Uh, but it's more been about living free, living free from the structures and the thoughts and the plans and the methods and the schemes and the devices of the enemy as he would try to set up strongholds, as the Bible talks about strongholds, patterns of thoughts that dictate or trying to dictate culture and systems and thinking in, all many, in every part of the world differently. And um, I think I wrote it like this, um, understanding that the enemy is trying to influence, bring his own influence to affect, to dictate culture, to dictate systems, and to to put lies in the world to be seen as truth all across the world. And so what we've been focusing on in terms of warfare is living free from that and being able to discern that, to approve with their new mind, to approve the will of God, understanding that there's different heavens, different kingdoms, that the enemy has a way of thinking. The Bible says the enemy has a method. The Bible says the enemy has a doctrine. And to under, be able to discern that and to see that. And so Jesus came and brought the church, the ecclesia, his power governmental branch, his governmental arm. Yeah, I agree. He's... He so and then Ephesians three says that it was through, uh, through the church. It says now that through the church, the wisdom of God would be made known to the principalities and powers. Those are the the, the um, Principal spirits, principle they are spirits and influences that are in a sense in the demonic world that are trying to set up different strongholds over different areas and through the church, the Bible says to make the wisdom of God made known to them and to pull those strongholds down. So that's through you and through me. And those principalities and authorities, that we call them principalities and powers. That word powers is actually the word authorities. But we know the enemy has no authority except through agreement and so through the principalities and powers of authorities the Bible says in Colossians that they've been disarmed through the cross of Jesus Christ they were disarmed he made a public spectacle of them so they've been defeated and yet the Bible says in Ephesians 2 that the systems and the course of the, this world Bible says is still being set up often according to the prince of the power of the air Ephesians 2 and it says why Because he is the spirit, calls him a spirit, that's what he is, who works in the sons of disobedience in the hearts of those who do not know the Lord. And through that he finds agreement. You still with me? So, Jesus said, well, I've come to give you the keys of the kingdom. keys of the kingdom are not just binding and loosing, that is it, but it's, I, it's also, the Bible talks about weapons of warfare, everything we've been talking about, but it's keys of the kingdom, keys not to the kingdom, but keys of the kingdom to lock and unlock things, to open and close things, to loose and bind things that are fashioned after anything that he has already done, anything that he's accomplished, to bring about, to appropriate his victories on the cross, everything he paid for, And so he gives his keys to the church. So, 2 Corinthians 10, we've read it many times. We walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations. That is the word logismos, where we get logic or reasoning. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought. It's here. So Jesus... I'll say it this way, then we'll actually get on to today. Jesus came in Mark 1, preaching the kingdom. I think, I think I put it up behind you. Mark 1, 14, 15. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel, that means good news, of the kingdom of God, that's the domain of the king. Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled The kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. So these are words that if you've been in church, we just kind of say them, but we forget the power, the importance, even the meaning of some of them, just like we do church. When I spoke on three weeks ago, I think it was now, on the ecclesia, what actually we are as a church, had multiple people come say, I've never heard anything like that. And yet it's actually just a basic understanding of ecclesia, what is the church? And so Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and then it says, in a sense, this is how. And he says, so Jesus came declaring the good news that there's a king who has dominion, and this is how he did it. He said, the time is fulfilled. In other words, the Bible says Jesus came in the fullness of time. So in other words, he's saying, listen, I've now come. The timing was not up to me. It was up to my father. I have now come. And because I'm here, everything is about to change. So I've come giving you good news that everything's about to change. So repent, that's the word metanoia, change the way you think. So change the way you think and change the way you believe and change the way you see things because we created this world and I've now come and my kingdom, I've come to preach the kingdom, my kingdom is not of this world. I've come with a kingdom that is not from here. So you're going to have to change the way you think. (laughs) And believe in the good news that I am bringing the kingdom and putting it within your reach. Every other religion, man reaches out to God. Christianity, God reaches out to man. And so he says, I've put the kingdom within your reach, within your grasp, because I've now come. The message is always about the kingdom that he brought. So, this is why... I've been looking at, in a sense, warfare from a different angle. It's learning to use the keys of the kingdom, the keys, the truths, the authority, the the various tools that God has given us, first to live free from what is dictating to everything else. To live free of that. To be able to discern it. To live free. Not just the type of warfare that we, like, pull out in crisis mode. Go get the 50 cal. You know, it's it's not just a war for you pull out in crisis mode. You know, deliverance—I haven't even touched deliverance—is a big deal. It's one third about of the ministry of Jesus Christ, and so we haven't even gone down that road. But a lot of people see warfare only when there's a direct confrontation. But actually, it's here. It's all day. It's not that we have to focus on it. We focus on Him. But it's learning to discern, to see, and to live free. And he gives us many keys to do that. Many truths, many different functions and tools to do that. And as we walk with him, we learn to do that and to live free. Really free. Free from people. Free from our old man. Free from a thought life that is dictated to by the enemy. Free from shame, from fear, from doubt. Just free. So, last week... We went one Thessalonians five. Let's go there again. To live free from deception. It's oh wait, I've got it written down here. Go to verse 14. 1 Thessalonians 5 14. It says, Now we exhort you brethren, warn those who are unruly, like my dad. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint hearted, uphold the weak. Be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. We spoke about that last week. But always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. (laughs) I have had people come to me, you know, this is... You've got to give me a mic and i got to, and we say, well, not now, you know, and they say, you're quenching the spirit, and we say, no, we're just quenching you, and, and, you know, because sometimes they're growing and learning, and that's wonderful, but it says, do not quench the spirit, that means to stop the flow of, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Last week, I touched on no one renders evil for evil and rejoice always. I don't mean this in any false humility way, I really don't. I don't feel like I did a great job last week, but it doesn't matter because the truth is the truth. But those are absolutely important about joy, that joy can become a choice. It is within the reach of your will. It really is important, and I think Kevin at some point may be preaching about that, and I'm excited about that. So today I want to talk to you about praying without ceasing. Now, when we talk about prayer, it is easy, easy for me to say you should pray more and put guilt and legalism on everyone in five seconds because it's always true. You know, everyone could pray more. I could pray. Everyone could pray more. So can we just put that off? Just say, I won't agree with that. Can we say that? I won't agree with that. Right. Don't let the enemy jump on your mind. But I'd like to speak to you from the heart. About prayer. This subject um, is—it's very close to my heart. Prayer. Don't know why. Just always has been. When I got saved, I'm going to just start a little bit of history. When I got saved, I had a longing in my heart for to to know the Lord straight away. Just—I want to know Him. And the supreme value, this—this ultimate. Supreme value for the one thing, the presence of God, became what just dictated everything for me. You know, I used to work where I used to drive a lot, travel a lot, about four or five thousand, six thousand miles a month in a car, a medical sales rep. And so I was always on the road. And so I learned and used that time. I would just pray in tongues or pray. And I just, I, I have this desire, even from when early on, to just be aware of Him. As much as I can, and obviously I was young, had a lot to grow and a lot to learn. In we still do all of us, but this desire—it just—it drove me to prayer. It drove me to prayer more than more than to anything else. And I remember I would walk, even when I went into ministry in the early days, I would walk around and I would just stop, and I would feel like lost, just because just the awareness of Him would leave me, and I would. Find a bathroom, find a tree, and just get on my knees and say, Lord. And just this, this one thing for his presence, um, for his voice, just the one thing. It just became my whole world. And so, David Wilkerson, actually, at the age of 79, I think it was in about 2010, those of you who may know David Wilkerson, are from New York, he was the eighth generation preacher. And he, um, he stood up to preach what he called his last public message. And he asked the Lord, what is the last thing you want me to preach? And he ended up preaching on prayer. And he addressed it to young preachers. And then essentially what he asked them was, if you don't give yourself to prayer, rather don't preach. And there was, he was almost 80 years old. And I've watched that message many, many times. So I started to pray. And very quickly very quickly, I realized two things. Number one, I didn't know how to pray. I realized that very quickly. And secondly, I realized that there's this uh, um, constant battle, invasion, in a sense, of my thoughts because I didn't know the Word. Even though I grew up in the church, I didn't know it here. And so I have had people ask me, and, and I don't profess to be any great scholar or teacher. Some people see me that way. I do I just don't, but, but they ask, how do you know the Word like you do? How, did you, how do you get revelation from the Scripture like you do? The truth is, it wasn't just from discipline or study. It was because of prayer. I would pray, and there would be such an assault on my senses quickly. I mean, I grew up with this wonderful, amazing parents that I have over here, seeing the power of God, knowing the thing. I was going to preach today on the authority of the believer and weeping as a key but then the Lord told me to preach on this yesterday I was like yeah you could have told me sooner just saying (laughs) just saying Lord but but you know um, I grew up seeing the power of God and seeing things but and and like you could pray with people in a group in church I could even minister when the anointing comes you could minister because you've seen it but when it came to me and him alone I was very quickly overcome because of just the salt in my senses, the questions, the things that would come up inside of me. And I realized it's because of this. So I started to go to this, not to study it, not to remember it. Yes, I did, but to, to learn about Him and to find truth so that I could know where I stood when I was with Him or seeking Him. That was the number one reason. To know things like who I am in Christ. What does the Bible actually say about salvation? What does the Bible say about my condition, my position? These truths, they were not shored up in me. And so when I would pray, I was, all the questions, all the issues, can I even do this? Can I say like this? Can I pray like this? Is this something that, the, am I wasting my time because there's something I don't know here? All these things, over, for a long time. And so I started to, to just devour this. Because I recognized in prayer, this changes that. Dramatically. Not so much corporately, not when there's God's moving, when it's just me and Him. It, It changes it dramatically. And I began to become assured of truth. Because often prayer starts, there's no presence, it's just truth. Raw truth. I stand on truth and I begin to speak until the Spirit comes. So I need a truth inside of me. Things like who I am, my righteousness, a son, the grace of God. What has the gospel actually done? What has Jesus actually accomplished? To know it inside me, inside and out. So when the stuff came, I knew it was the enemy or what was the Lord or what was just my issues. Or Is this something that the enemy is accusing me? Is this the Lord putting his finger on an issue in my life? I just didn't know. So that's why I went here. Secondly, as I said, I realized very quickly I didn't know how to pray. Past, you know, the list of requests, or we could call them complaints. You know, we just complained to the Lord for 10 minutes, and then... And I realized I actually don't know how to pray. And so I went to some of the elders and some of the other respected people that I knew at the time, and I asked them, and I was surprised. They were very honest, very humble. 90% of them said, you know, um, I struggle with prayer. These are preachers, teachers. I'm more about the word, but I, I, I don't know if I can help you with prayer. And I realized, oh. And then I read Romans 8, where it says, we do not know how to pray as we ought. And I recognized that prayer is one thing that you cannot... There are things in prayer that you don't learn from men or people. They can't teach you stuff about prayer. You learn it. Trial and error, going to him. And so I settled early on in my heart. Any time I spend with Him, even if I'm doing it wrong, will never be a waste. And that helped, believe it or not. Little thing like that helped, because I would, the enemy would always come in my head. You're wasting your time. You're trying to bend God's arm. You're trying to twist His heart, and it's just not. It's just not like that. So I learned, like I said, I didn't know how to pray, and so I started, and I started to just pray. I just started to take time to pray. The three texts that I have, by the grace of God, to go through today are these, these texts became enormously important to me when it came to just me and him. And I know there's many different types of prayer, and we could get theological. I just want to share my heart with you today, not some great teaching. I know there's intercession and deliver. I get all of that. Today is just me and him when you're there. So, firstly, I learned that prayer is profoundly simple. It's profoundly simple, but it's also like math. And I know that sounds strange. Math, I said this to Maria a while ago, and it just struck me. But um, math is like, you know, you get grade one math, and then you get a mathematician math. It's the same thing, but it's very different. And you can go into college, because you've had 12 years of math waxes, if you can say. It builds On each other, yeah. So by the time you get there, the stuff you learned there, you don't even think about. You just do it. Prayer is like that. Prayer is profoundly simple. Any child can pray. Just say, "I love you, God." That's pray. Any anyone can pray. It's easy. Jesus made it easy. It wasn't easy before Him. But it also waxes. It builds on itself. And as you press into this issue. In years to come, you pray differently because it's waxed, it's built principle upon principle. Does that make sense? So, I've also found that my heart remains His in prayer. My heart remains His, the affections of my heart. So, let's go to Matthew chapter 6. I think I put a marker in there. Do not let the enemy jump on you. But I do pray impartation actually takes place today. This is something that I didn't realize it at first for maybe 10 years, but it's something that I think I've given my life to, and I just did it without, it's just something I think God put on my heart. So Matthew chapter 6, we're going to read from verse 5, just two verses, oh, three verses, 5, 6, and 7. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners on the streets, on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, are like that, but you, when you pray, go into your room. When you have shut your door, pray to your Father, who is in the secret place. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. The word openly is not in the NASB, but it is in the Greek, just so you know. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. That, those three verses, I poured over those three verses. So firstly, it was very interesting to me in the Luke 11 version of this story, they come to Jesus to say, can you teach us to pray? And it strikes me still today that they didn't ask him to teach us how to preach. That's in the Great Commission, preach the gospel. They didn't ask him to teach us how to preach, teach us how to do deliverance, teach us how to build a ministry. They saw him pray. And they recognized that is the source of everything else that he's doing. Teach us how to do that. And they were Jewish boys. They had been growing up all their life in the temple being taught how to pray. But when he prayed, it was different. So he says first two things that we shouldn't do don't be like the hypocrites don't allow the motive of your prayer life to fulfill a fleshly goal that's all I'll say because spirit gives birth to spirit and flesh gives birth to flesh they were praying in a sense for attention for self exaltation the sad thing is they got what they wanted they received the reward of what they wanted. They got the hierarchy. They got the attention. The tragic is what they lost. They would never know. But they actually got what they wanted. And so I will say this, and I know this may upset some people. Form, form or structure holds no power. The heart. It's the heart. Form or structure. I've stood in many prayer groups at all different levels, from drug addicts that have just come to the Lord too. And often those are the most beautiful prayers, people that are so grateful for being free versus the highest religious things. And you know, I've learned that a lot of people are taught in a stream or a, a model or a denomination or a, a course or something about prayer and it's good and it's helped them and it's wonderful, but don't get stuck by it. You know, some people say, I decree and I declare, that's great. If that's If you have faith in that, if you understand what that stuff means. Other people repent for an hour before they think they can do anything. Other people talk like this. Other people talk like this. Some people change their voice. I've noticed. They talk and then they start to pray. Oh, Joe, Joe, Joe. And I'm like, why did your voice change? (laughs) You know, it's like there's form and there's structures. Just, I'm not saying... (laughs) Now people are going to be nervous, you know. It holds no power in and of itself. None. Here. And faith. Faith is not just this incomparable ability to believe. Faith is the, super, the spiritual understanding of the unseen realm. The Bible says anything that is not of faith is sin. So any, not just anything like, oh, I don't need faith to pick this up. No, what it means is anything of the kingdom, anything that is of eternity, that touches eternity, if it's you just do it, well, that's what we do. It's actually not good. Because <laughs> there's no understanding. Why do you do this? I don't know, it's just what we do. Bible says, yeah, that's actually not going to help you. Do things with conviction. Why? You know? It's like the... The name of Jesus, that's in a sense the authority of a believer. He put his name upon them, gave them his signet ring to do trans kingdom transactions. So the, the, the exorcists of the Jewish exorcists in the Acts 19, they go to the seven sons of Sceva, you know. In the name of Jesus, who Paul, Paul preaches, we cast you out. Right structure, right form. Right words. The demon said, oh, I know Jesus. He spoke. You go read Acts 19. Oh, and I know Paul. Who are you? I don't know you. They came out of the man and beat them all up and took all their clothes off. And they ran out of there naked and bleeding. Why? Structure, form, no revelation. So then we have fights. I've heard it over and over. I can't pray with that person. They're not praying right. You know, understand understand the heart. But friends, the enemy wins every time that happens. Because now we're fighting about who's a bread of prayer. Like the disciples, who's the greatest? You know? It's the heart. Then he also says, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do. The word is (laughs) bathalatha. And it means stuttering or stammering. And he's talking about pagan prayers. They would repeat the same mechanical phrase or mechanical words over and over and over and over in a certain way with a certain tone and and put themselves into a trance. And the goal of the trance was to gain access into the spiritual realm. Why? So they would receive wisdom or power or or the future or something. So again, self. And so they would use certain methods. And Jesus said, don't do that. You don't need to do that because the goal of the, the heart of a believer is your kingdom come. Your will be done, not mine. And, I, and, and the, the base of the prayer of every believer is Father, my Father. You know, this little phrase, the enemy, and I want to say one for a while. But this little phrase, do not use vain repetition, because of the religiousness sometimes that I was surrounded by, caused me some struggle. I'm just being real. People say, what? I'm being real with you. Because in prayer as I would begin to learn to pray and I didn't really find the only person if I can be I know you may not like me to say this but who really helped me pray was my father, my mother (laughs) because he had some understanding and I watched him pray as a boy so I, I would pace up and down sometimes praying and I would feel like I need to say the same words and I thought, no, 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 can't do that, can't do that. I was so, you know, stuck, because I, I wanted, you know, didn't want to do the wrong thing. And, until one day I read these verses, because I didn't understand its pagan trances. It wasn't what Jesus was saying. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prays three times. He goes to pray, he goes back, his disciples are full asleep. You know, it's like kids. So he goes to pray again, second time, comes back, they're sleeping. He goes to pray a third time, he comes back, they're still sleeping. So he went back to pray three times. In Mark 14 and Matthew 26, it says here in Mark 14, they'll come up behind me. Again, he went and prayed and spoke the same words. That phrase set me free. It was a couple years later that I understood this. It's in Mark 14. A little thing like this. That's the second time he went back. So he went and prayed, and he, then he went back. And it says he says the same, He spoke the exact same words. Why? Because sometimes that's what prayer is like when you're getting into the Spirit. It's God, 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 like over and over. It says then he went back, Matthew 26. It says he left them. This is the third time. He went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. That's the Son of God. (laughs) Tenacity of prayer. Then he says, but you, when you pray, when you pray, number one, go into your room. It's a conscious decision to go somewhere. Go to a place. Go somewhere to avoid distraction. Shut yourself away. Don't go there without a pen or pencil and a notebook don't take, a, don't take some of your phone to write down. I'll tell you why in a moment. Paper, pen, Bible, and music if you need. It's a, it's a decision. Go into your room. Secondly, when you have shut the door. I like that. In other words, this became my world for a number of years. Be inaccessible to other people. And I hear people say, well, well what about my kids? Obviously, not if you have a Children at home and they need you. Like <laughs> That's not wise. People say, I, I can never shut my phone off. This thing. It used to be shut your door and that means quiet. Now, if you take this with you, you take the world inside with you. Shut this thing down. Put it on airplane mode. Leave it outside. People say, well, what if there's an emergency? Well, for thousands of years, <laughs> we survived fine without that. And maybe you can just trust God a little bit. Pray about that the first time then. (laughs) You know, find freedom in that. Be inaccessible to other people. Turn the internet off completely. Third, pray to your father. (sighs) Who is in secret. The base of your interaction in that place is a father and a son. It's important because sometimes your condition is all messed up. Sometimes you've done terrible things. Sometimes you, it's been a long time. Sometimes you feel like a failure. That's your condition. Your position has not changed. Jesus is saying, when you go in there, you go to him on your position. Don't go in your condition because you'll spend three hours just dealing with that before you actually pray. And find a way for you. I can't teach you this to get into the Spirit. I don't know how else to say it. For some people, they need music, presence of the Lord. Some people, they declare who Jesus is, all the things they know, not just Scripture, inside. Some people take an instrument, but eventually put the instrument down. Worship is a part of that. Praise is a part of that. That's all part of it. Get into the Spirit. Get into. For some people... Pray in the Spirit if you can, if you have a prayer language. It's different for every person. Fourthly, your Father who sees in secret shall reward you in the open. That word open, in 1 Corinthians 12, the word, uh, the manifestation of the Spirit in reference to the different ways and the different gifts, it's phanerosis. That's the word there, phaneros. He will reward you. In the open, in other words, things will become manifest in public or in the open because of something that happens where no one else sees. What would that reward be? Well, it could be many things. My opinion. Well, should I say... Oh, I'm going the wrong way. Go to Luke 11. Oh, there it is. Wonderful. Luke 11. I s- started to understand... Jesus is the same, in a sense, time, or same lesson in Luke 11 as in Matthew 6, just in a different gospel. And I realize what we're about to read is what happens in the spirit realm, what Jesus just explained in the natural. Sometimes the parables that Jesus gives, he's he's trying to use our understanding to explain what happens behind the scenes. So, Luke 11, verse 5, he says, and he said to them, he gives the prayer, you know, our Father in heaven. Then verse 5, he says, and then he said to them, so he tells them this parable, because this is when they came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. He gives them, in a sense, the Lord's prayer. And then he explains. In other words, this is what happens in the spirit. He says, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer him from within and say, Do not trouble me, for the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will, give, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And I don't know if I went further up behind me, but it says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. That's a constant present tense, keep seeking, keep knocking. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Then he gives three examples about, you know, I will just read it. If a son asks for a bread from any father, will he give him a stone? That's because the bread looked like a stone back then. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? There was a fish back then that looked exactly like a snake. Uh, if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? There was a scorpion, a white scorpion back then that would curl up and look like an egg from a distance. He says, if then being evil, in other words, the, the human nature, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? In other words, there's something about persistence, and then he will not give you anything counterfeit. Nothing counterfeit will come from heaven. So, and it has to do with the spirit, this text, I would go back and forth, became very, very important to me. Uh, and there's, can I have you two, uh, Tommy and Kevin, sorry, quickly. Kevin's on his iPhone, he's not listening, clearly. <laughs> clearly not listening. So just kidding. Okay, come, come and just stand here. The Bible says this. There's three people in this transaction. We have to understand this. And if we see it, it'll change it. Because we just get used to reading. A friend of mine has come to me. And I don't have what he wants. So I go to someone else and I ask him. Someone's come to me and I don't have anything to set before him. So I need something from you. Okay? You see that? Three people. Thanks, guys. So, this issue for me has become something that I've done with the Lord time after time after time for years. First, I learned a little bit about prayer, a little bit of who He was, who I am. And then what starts to happen is people come to you, especially if you're in leadership or it still happens to me regularly, and they come to you with an issue. My child is sick. My spouse has cancer. My finances are in a mess, and it keeps happening. Whatever. I don't know what to do. And you know, I get that almost weekly. Prayed for people this week. One a severe sufferer of PTSD. I pray for someone else, kidney cancer. Pray for someone else, other stuff. Every week, praying for. And you know, this text. (laughs) Go into your room. It's what it feels like. The amount of times I've had to go to him and say, Lord, someone has come to me and I don't feel like I have what they need. But you do. So I'll come to you and I need something from you so I can give it to them. That's what this is about. I have nothing to set before them, Lord. Lord, My parents know what this is like. They've had it many times. I have nothing to set before them. Or maybe I do, but I don't feel like I do. So I go here. And sometimes you go again and again and again and again. You know... I've pushed against this door, Lord. It's not moving. Sometimes I've learned it's the key. Lord, you've given so many keys. I'm using the wrong key. Sometimes he says, you've got to take out another key, son. You have to fast. Sometimes you have to praise. Sometimes dance. Sometimes find a scripture. Sometimes whatever it is, thanksgiving, prophecies. The Bible says prophecy is a major weapon. Take the prophecies Paul said that was made about you through the laying on of my hands and use them to fight the good warfare. So I have a file and cards with all my prophecies and I read them all the time. (laughs) Sometimes it's weeping. Wish I had time to get into that. Weeping will open places in heaven that nothing else will. Sometimes it's groaning. (laughs) Bible says groaning. Why? It says they're asking for bread. What's that revelation? They're asking, to be, they're asking for something that I don't have. I don't have. There's something that I'm not seeing, Lord. But you have it. Change me. So I can be an answer for them. That is the place of personal prayer. And persistent Prayer says, your father, who sees in secret, shall reward you in the open. The greatest reward is him. You learn him. You get to know him. Really, you get to know him. For real. God becomes real to you. You know him. You know his voice. You know his heart. It's not just scripture. You know the Lord. But after that, it is better to give than it is to receive. It is, more, it is, it is better. It is, what's the word I'm looking for? It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. The reward in the open... It's not for you. It's for another. It's for someone else. Lord, I have nothing. I tell you the amount of times I felt like that. I have nothing, Lord. For I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, and the buck stops here. You know, it's like a father. They know this feeling. It stops here. I don't know what to do. Well, someone does. So you go to him. And then there's the strange verse that's through me for a little while until I actually did this many hours in prayer one day until the Lord explained this to me. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, that word is shameless, his shameless audacity. He will rise and give him as many as he needs. There are matters, and so we think, we read that like, well, that's just mean. No one really fully understands that, I don't think. Maybe they do, they can help me. But I've learned this. It says the door is now shut. It may be a timing issue, I don't know. But I've learned what it means, he says. The reason for the delay, the reason for the fight, the reason why you have to come over and over, sometimes hour after hour, until something changes has nothing to do with my relationship with you. That's what he's meaning. We're friends. The issue of warfare has nothing to do with between you and me, son. There's something that's above your pay grade. But it's not you and it's not me. It's got nothing, it's not anything this way. Nevertheless, it will take shameless audacity. Nevertheless, it will take tenacity. Over and over and over but it's not because of you. You see how you see it different now? Because if you think it's you, you will never find breakthrough. Because you will search your heart and try to do everything you can to be better and the enemies already won. When that happens, you're done, stop. Honestly, stop, go find another, read this, start again. The last thing it's James 5, but I'm going to try. We started in 1 Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing. That's obviously doesn't mean you never stop praying. That's ridiculous. It means in the Greek, pray without intermission, without intermission. Make a decision. I'm going to shut the door. I'm going to find that place, wherever that is, and Lord, I'm going to stay here until your presence comes. I'm going to stay here until heaven, in a sense, opens. I'm going to stay here until something changes. I'm going to stay here. And sometimes I have to go away and get coffee and come back and say the same words. Sometimes I have to go and see my kids and come back and say the same words. Sometimes I have to go and pray for that sick child. and Nothing happens and I go back and I say the same words. And there are many times when I've done that and they die or... Something happens, then you've got to work that through. I just don't know another way. <laughs> go find it, go test, go learn, go back, go learn, go back. But in the process, you learn Him. Leonard Ravenhill said, No man is greater than his prayer life. <laughs> it's true, it's a great statement, it's a scary statement. Spurgeon pastored for many, many years. He was one of the greatest preachers, some would say, that ever lived. There was a time when he pastored a church for about 20 years in this one place. And you know, it's, it's not a part of his story. I don't think that a lot of people know. But you know that the leaders in his church on some Sunday mornings would have to go into the back room where he was praying. He would be, he would be in there for hours. He would be so overcome by God that he would begin to tremble and shake and weep and groan inside of him. And he, wouldn't, he would lose track. And they would literally go in there, pick him up, and come and put him behind the pulpit. And he would begin to preach. You know, in the 20 years he led that church, he never gave a single altar call because he never had to. People would start streaming forward under conviction before he was finished. He never gave one altar call because of prayer. Jesus won the battle for his ministry in the desert before. Jesus won the battle for the cross in the garden before he won it there first. So, Spurgeon said, Groanings which cannot be uttered are often prayers which cannot be refused. Getting started. How do we get started? I, 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 I was going to read you the whole thing, but I won't. But I'll just read the one verse. The effectual fervor James 5. Actually, can I read it to you guys? Are you guys still good? I know now I'm going over, I said I wouldn't, well, I didn't tell you that, I said that in my head. So I forgive myself. It says quickly, is anyone among you suffering, let him pray. That would take care of a lot of counseling. Is anyone cheerful, let him sing psalms. Is anyone sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray of, the, of him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another then you, uh, that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That scripture was the third one. Those three texts, Matthew, Luke, and this one. It struck me because then it starts off and it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three uh, three years and six months, and then he prayed again, and it did rain. 1 Kings 17, it just says he prophesied. That doesn't show you that before he prophesied that he prayed like he did. But here it tells you he did. So he gave himself to prayer and from that he prophesied. He said, it will not rain. There will be no rain or dew till, till I say so. That's a crazy thing to say. And then it, it happened. And then it, it was the Lord who told him, okay, now it's going to rain. And then he had to go. The Lord has said it's going to rain. The Lord has told him, when you say it's going to rain, Elijah, it will rain. He won the battle. He did it all right. There was nothing wrong. He defeated the prophets of Carmel. I mean, he did the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. He did all the stuff right. And yet, for some reason, he had to go up the mountain. After the victory, he sent everyone else down. You go down and celebrate. That's the call of the prophet. That's the call of the intercessor. You go down. But I... I'm going to go up the mountain and bring about in prayer what God has already said would happen. And he put his face, the Bible says, between his knees and prayed seven times. He prayed, sent his servant, is it, is it happening? No, let's pray again. He said the same words probably. Pray again, pray again, pray again. Yet God said it was going to come to pass. Why did he have to do that? I don't know. It had nothing to do with between him and the Lord. It had nothing. He said, though I'm your friend, that's got nothing to do with why this is not happening. Same thing as Luke 11. But he had to learn to pray. Really pray. The effect of fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Effectual, fervent, actually means energy. Work, you've got to do something. Meaning what? It's probably going to start in the natural. You're probably going to have to stand up and not feel like it and start to pray. Then it says at the end, availeth much. Iskayo is the word. It means this, to have power as shown by extraordinary deeds and to have strength to overcome. The vine says that word makes more power available than the word dunamis, which is the word power in the New Testament. How did you go from natural putting forth energy to that. Well, what came in the middle? A righteous man. This verse is so important. If we don't understand the victory of Christ on the cross, that he made us righteous not by our own hand, but by his, this cannot happen. We have to know it in our hearts because when you want to pray, when you want to give yourself to pray, he will assault your mind and you need to know the truth. I'm righteous, not by my making, but by his. That's what comes in the middle of those two. Then after breakthrough comes, the next thing. Oh, look at you, mighty man of prayer. Then it's the same thing. Not by my making, but by his. I'll read you us, then we'll end. There is a place, sure. There is a place where thou can touch the eyes of blinded men to instant, perfect sight. There is a place where thou can say arise to dying captives bound in chains of night. There is a place where thou can reach the store of hoarded gold and free it for the Lord. There is a place upon some distant shore where thou can send the worker and the word. Where is that secret place, dost thou ask? Where, O Lord, where? O my soul, it is in the secret place of prayer. Alfred Lord Tennyson. I want to encourage you The Lord waits for you in the secret place. If anything today, I just pray the Lord has put a hunger in your heart to pray. To learn to pray. To discover him. To know him. And sometimes you will have a battle. But win. Win. Because you've won
1: already. So win. Bless you. Amen.